Tappers, what's up? It is the Friday edition of the Daily Tap. Hope you're all doing well. A little lunchtime podcast. Just going to talk about the Bucks. Talk about the Corbin Burns scare maybe a little bit at the end. Another Brewers win. Uh, but mostly the Bucks. Um, and how good Game 5 was for this Bucks team. I'm not apologizing for any of it. I try sometimes not to listen to other podcasts before I tape. This is a, a interesting scenario. Obviously, I'm taping this late morning, later than I probably should, because uh, I know there are people probably waiting, like, Charlie, where the fuck is the podcast? I'm sorry. Um, I happened to go out a little bit too hard last night and was a bit hungover. I, try, I was, like, ready to tape around, like, 9.30, and I was like, nah, I got to eat first. So I ate, did something around the house and was like, all right. But I listened to Bill Simmons. And uh, Bill Simmons said, oh, it's terrible, fine, game, whatever. I'm not going to apologize. And we're not going to talk about that. Because what we're going to talk about is the fact the Bucs are one game away from getting to the NBA Finals. They are one game away from getting to their first Finals appearance since 1974, having a chance to win their first title since 1971. Now, they probably will not, to be honest. It doesn't sound like it. Um, I've seen some things today that... Now the Bucks are hopeful maybe in the finals. I talked to somebody else who said maybe uh, Monday, potentially, um, he could play in game if there was a game seven. But the Bucks have a chance to close the door on Saturday night. And whether it will be with Trey Young or not, I don't really care. And I will not apologize. And I do think that this Bucks team can win without Trey Young. Or with Trey Young, excuse me. I think this Bucks team can win in six. I think the prophecy can actually happen. It could become a reality, which would be so crazy, so ironic. Um, the Bucks winning in six actually to get to the finals, like Bucks in six. I've I've always thought was kind of lame. I'm not gonna lie, um, because it was a Brandon Jennings comment made against the one of the best teams in the last probably decade against the Miami Heat and the, that Bucks team. If you look at the Bucks team that Brandon Jennings was talking about, it is an absolute dumpster fire of a roster. It is nothing that would even resemble a team that could give the Heat a game. The Heat blew the doors off Milwaukee. I've argued with Mitch that I thought that was one of the lowest points in Bucks history because no one was cheering for Milwaukee. Nobody was engaged. Herb Cole was just hoping to get to the eight seed like Herb Cole did. And they were a below 500 team and they were absolute garbage. And you had this Bucks and Six thing that then took hold and now it's become a calling card for fans and it's it's become a real thing. And I I said after the review, I said or I think before the, the series actually, it was before the series, I said Fuck Bucks and Six, like Bucks and Four. And I, I there's a guy who follows me on Twitter. I forget his name, I'm sorry. But he his handle is Bucks and Four. And his sort of mantra is that we should change it to Bucks and Four. But the fact that Bucks and Six could become a reality is incredible. And I think they can do it without Trey Young. I think they prove that tonight. And I think they can do it with Trey Young. But let's talk about the game and let's talk about how they did it. It was a lot of Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis down low. The Bucks absolutely dominated the paint. They 
just took complete control of the paint. They lost the paint battle in game four, and then in game five, they reestablished it. And the amount of playmaking that Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton did to free up Brooke and Bobby was incredible. Brooke Lopez, 14 of 18, 33 points, will definitely go down as the Brooke Lopez game, the game where Brooke Lopez was extremely, extremely effective. And the reason he was effective is because the Bucks were finding him just on catch and shoot opportunities. Brooke barely dribbled. He didn't really bring it down at all. Sometimes some of his problems, he was just going right up. They were giving him just such easy opportunities and the Hawks didn't know what to do with it. John Collins is a baby in there. I I think I said John Collins is dead. I, I probably, uh, I yelled at him at the Broadhouse. I got on the bar. Um, so I apologize to those who were there and saw that. Uh, Weak Broadhouse crowd, by the way, was really quiet. I was surprised. I hope for Saturday we'll have a bigger one. We'll talk about that later. Um, we'll do that at the end. But anyways, they didn't have an answer. Like they brought in Gun uh, in Gunway. I mispronounced his name. The rookie out of USC. I apologize. The rookie out of USC. And he couldn't do anything. And he's been actually really good in the series against Giannis. And he had no answer for Brooke Lopez. Bobby Portis was too fast for him. And that's the other problem. It's like Brooke and Bobby combined are just a, a weird combination for this team right now. And they don't necessarily have an answer because it is a awkward group. You have Clint Capella who I think is, again, too slow for Portis and Lopez. And some, how can he be too slow for Brooke Lopez? I shouldn't say he's too slow, but Capella doesn't, it doesn't work. Some, something there was not working with Capella, and Capella was out of, out of the game. And then you had John Collins, who barely, who seemed like he was in and out of this game. Like, they just, it was all off for the Hawks from the go, and if you're a Hawks fan, even if Trey Young comes back and it's no Giannis, you have to worry about this. Like, yes, Trey Young will provide shooting. He will provide a boost. But the fact of the matter is, is they don't have an answer inside. And the buck, and the other thing about Brooke Lopez more than Bobby is if Brooke gets fouled, he's an awesome free throw shooter. He's an 80 plus, 80% plus free throw shooter. And so even if he does get fouled, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because he's going to go to the line and he's probably making both free throws. So it is a real problem for Atlanta with or without Trey Young when you have to deal with Bobby and Brooke inside. And it's it's just a problem. And I don't know what exactly that adjustment is. Nate McMillan did a great job adjusting, packing the paint in game four. In this game, they did feel a little off. Now, this is similar to what the Bucks were dealing with without Trey Young. They had to kind of adjust on the fly, but McMillan had to know Giannis was going to be out of this game. There's no way he could have came in and been like, oh, yeah, Giannis is still playing in this game. There's no fucking way. Absolutely not. And so, I don't know. I, it, they, I thought they were exposed. I think not enough people are talking about the fact that the Hawks were exposed last night. Like last night, you saw why the Hawks might might wear the five seed, right? Like they just don't have enough guys. And so, okay, they get Trey Young back. Let's just say Trey Young plays in game six. Let's play this out. Trey Young gets back. Drew Holiday is going to be in his grill. They, they had a clip. I was listening to it. Stephanie Reddy reported like the Hawks game plan was anyone, whoever's taking up the ball is not being guarded by Drew Holiday. 
And that's an interesting nugget that was shared. Like, I don't know if I was the Hawks, I would share that nugget. It's really good reporting by Reddy. But, it, like, if the Bucks know that, isn't the plan just going to be, all right, we're not going to have Drew pick anybody up? Well, if PJ picks, pick up the top guy, and then Drew's going to just stick on, like, a Trey Young or something? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that adjusts. And the Bucks were switching everything last night for those who clamored for switching a switching defense the Bucks switched at all times last night and it was an awesome adjustment by Bud. it really sort of prevented a lot of open shots there were only a few moments where they had open looks whether it was Bogdan whether Danilo Gallinari who doesn't fucking miss for some reason uh Kevin Herter had a couple couple open ones but it wasn't it wasn't like it had been in the other other games so will the switching continue when Trey Young's out there? I don't know. I think it should. I know they'll try to get Trey into mismatches. And we've heard, you know, Lopez has been kind of unplayable with Young out there. I, st- I don't know. I, in that, And the crazy thing is, is like if they don't have Giannis, like I think I'm okay sacrificing on defense with Brooks' offense. And if we're slowing it down a little bit and we can figure out ways to kind of prevent that floater... I don't know how many floaters he's going to be taking. If he has a bum ankle, bum foot, isn't the floater like the the worst shot you could take with one of those? Because if you're you're elevating on one foot and coming down on said foot, like you can only really take the floater on your good ankle, right? Like you can't do it on your bad ankle. Like that just that doesn't seem like it would work. That seems like it would fucking hurt. Like even if you're healthy enough to play, like that would have to hurt. Like the last time I had a bad ankle injury just for whatever for people who care like yeah i couldn't do a lot of shit like it hurt it swole it was swollen it 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 just and i'm not not a basketball player at all i'm just a fucking big kid who tripped in the middle of a street in ireland and thought he broke his ankle um but that another story for another time um anyways but like i don't think he's gonna be doing a lot of floaters i think trey young would be limited and in a way if Trey Young's back, their defense gets worse. It just does, and it'll. And weirdly, it could free up more opportunities for Brook and Bobby. It could free up more opportunities inside because Trey Young cannot, not exactly guard anybody. Trey Young's gonna allow Drew Holiday to get to the paint. He's gonna allow Chris Middleton to get get to the paint, and it's gonna be. There's gonna be a real problem. And they're going to have a real issue. And I really like the Bucks in this game on Saturday. I just do. I had bo- both Mitch and Murph, Broadhouse boys, go to me, oh, we're going to get pumped in game six. Like, we're going we're gonna to lose. Trey Young's back, we'll, we'll lose. I'm like, how? Like, am I just, like, too much of a naive sports fan? But, like, I looked at that and I was like, all right, if these guys can do this, they just showed to themselves we kicked the shit out of the Hawks without Giannis. We literally laid down the hammer. Like, even though, I th- I don't think it, it ended, what? It was a 11-point win for the Hawks, or for the Bucks, excuse me. It was an 11-point win, but it never was close. It never felt close. It got maybe tense a little. I think it got down to seven early in the third quarter, and that was, like, the closest it got. It never got past six. And the Bucks just established themselves to me as the best team in the East. That's what the Bucks did, in, a, in my opinion. The Bucks said, all right, 
Giannis is out. We are still going to show that we are the best fucking team left in the East. And that's what the Bucs did last night. And I think that is really important. So I don't get it. And, and I don't know if it's Sharps, whatever. A lot of early money has come in on Bucks plus one and a half. Bucks are a one and a half point dog or they're one and a half point favorite. I, regardless, like 84% of the handle right now is on the Bucks. And Julian Ledlow of DraftKings was saying that's due to a lot of big money on the Bucks. That people are betting big on the Bucks. And I'm not always like, hey, trust the money or follow the money. But in this scenario, I am because I really, I believe the same things that those guys are seeing. The wise guys, whomever, are friends in the desert, shall we say. The Bucks were so much better than Atlanta without Giannis. And I don't think this is an indictment at all on Giannis. But I just think they, it, it almost made it easier for the Bucks against this Hawks defense without Giannis because they were able to do a little more with just freeing it up. It, it was a lot, a lot more open. And I'm not saying that Giannis clogs land. I'm not saying that the Bucks, you know, without with Giannis, they they would be worse. They would have lost this game. No, it just it it even the playing field a little bit. Weirdly enough. Because they were able to do the switching. They were able to let Chris and Drew create more than they usually do. Because Giannis initiates a lot of the offense. I want to get to that too. Because I think that's a big takeaway from this game. You have to understand that this team can can easily win this game on Saturday. I want to, One other thing to mention is the fact that Chris Middleton, the creator, is a real thing. So Chris Middleton, he had some moments where he had, he had a bad turnover late. He's Sometimes the brain just kind of goes off for Chris. I don't, I don't exactly get it. I was a little hard on Chris in the review where I was like, ah, Chris didn't have that great of a game. Chris, kind of watching back, watching some highlights, like Chris was fucking good in this game. Chris... Chris played really well in this game, and I should have gave him more credit on the review. So that's on me. I apologize. But the night for Middleton, he was 10 of 20 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3. He had 13 rebounds. He had 8 assists, and he had 26 points. He he was plus 16 and plus minus, and he only had one turnover. So even though it felt like sometimes Middleton wasn't doing the best stuff, like the decision-making wasn't there, he kind of made it happen. And he, he kind of really made some things happen, especially with the playmaking, the eight assists. Like, I think what people don't realize is that Chris Middleton can easily kind of be the point guard of this team. And we saw this when Drew Holiday was out with COVID. And we saw Middleton kind of initiating the offense. And it worked really well. It worked really well against Denver and for a half against Phoenix before the Bucks blew that huge lead in the second half. And then they went on a long losing streak, and there you have it. But Chris Middleton, the creator, needs to be more of a thing. Even with Giannis, whenever Giannis gets back, whether it's this season or next season, you need to have some moments in the game where it's like, all right, let Chris run the offense here for a four-minute stretch. Let Chris run the offense for five or six minutes. Like That should be one of the biggest takeaways from this game is that Chris Middleton needs to have the ball a little bit more at the start because he makes shit happen. And I think part of the reason why Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez had such a good game was due to the Middleton creator role. 
And so I think you're going to need a lot more of that from Middleton in game six. I, I just do. I think you should definitely have that more. It's And Drew had a great game too. I mean, Drew, 23 points, 13 assists, six rebounds. He kind of got himself going early. Um, you know, made three threes, uh, was nine to 20 from the field. So it, he, he, again, there were spurts. And I think that's the other thing about this, this game is everybody, while Brooke and Bobby are the headlines for sure, everybody kind of had moments where they were important. You know, PJ Tucker had 11 rebounds yesterday. PJ Tucker had some moments. Uh, you had Bobby Portis, obviously Lopez. Sure. Middleton. Yeah. Holiday. Yeah. Cat kind of had a nine off the bench. I thought Pat had some bad moments, but Pat had a couple, couple big moments too. What they do need to do though in game five, game six, the only real adjustment in game six is you can't play Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague is borderline unplay. It, no, he's not borderline. Fuck that. He is unplayable. Jeff Teague cannot be out there. Whatever we have to do as Bucks fans to get Jeff Teague off the court. Is it's needed. Like if someone is in Atlanta and can barrel roll into Jeff Teague so he doesn't get on the court, that'd be appreciated. I look, I know Drew Holiday needs rest, but you can't tell me that they can't go with Chris Middleton for all 48. Maybe not, but go for as long as possible. Let Chris Middleton, like if Drew goes out, so here, let me set it up. Drew goes out, Middleton does that point. You put in Forbes, you put in Connington, whatever. And then Holiday goes out. Holiday needs a break. And Middleton's out there. So then again, same. Forbes, Connaughton. There you go. Maybe Thanasis. Um, any of those guys, like, you could roll in. But there is no fucking reason for Jeff Teague. Absolutely none. He was terrible. I, I know he had three assists. But defensively, he's just so lost. Like, I... I know Matt Velasquez had like a snarky tweet about like, well, Jeff T came in, everybody was worried, and the Bucks are plus one in the score. They were, but like the energy changed. Like he, he is just a mood killer. Like he's like one of those people at a party that just they have to bring everybody else down with them. It's like I don't know what it is about Jeff Teague, but it just that's what he brings. He brings bad vibes, bad energy. No Jeff Teague plays for game number six. And if you're asking if I'm ready for game six, I am. I think it, it, I won't think about with sports. And this is with the Packers, the Brewers, uh, the Bucks, like I, Marquette. I don't always, I don't think about the game too much ahead of time. I did think about what I was going to wear, um, which I don't know what that says about me. But I thought about what I was going to wear. And I thought about who do I, who can I watch this game with? Because Mitch is gone. Murph's gone. So I was starting to text people last night and I was like, hey, I need Broadhouse boys. Like, I, my Broadhouse boys are gone. I might bring a Broadhouse gal. I'm trying, I've been trying to convince my fiance to go with me, who I think will be so embarrassed that she might not be able to do it. She might be like, you are too much of a psycho uh, that I can't, I can't deal with this. But I, I don't know. I, I think that we're going to have somebody. I, Doze is coming down. I think we'll have a couple people there. So, and if, and honestly, I said this yeah on the podcast, I think Wednesday or whatever, open invite, man. If you want to come down, I'll be there. Uh, you you want to watch the game somewhere else? I'll be there. You want to, you want to celebrate? I'll be there. And I do think it's going to be a momentous day. I, I realize that there is a chance 
for another Wisconsin heartbreak. And I know that we have dealt with a lot of heartbreak. So when you feel like you're finally on the cusp, where you're on the goal line, it's really hard to convince yourself that you're not going to get punched in the dick again. And maybe we will. Maybe we'll go to a game seven. And we'll have to talk through that and we'll do another game seven. I think I said uh, after the game seven to Mitch uh, on our Tabby the Keg show, I was like, I don't want to do another game seven for a, a little bit here. Like, I need a few. And the fact that we'd have to do it again, tail end of a holiday weekend, all of us are hungover, just filled with sausage, and we have to just watch the Bucks in, ga- in the game seven. I mean, first of all, it, it extends the weekend. Like, I it, look, if the Bucks go to game seven and it's in Milwaukee, like, there's no reason why anyone should work the entire week. Like, either we're depressed or we're going to the finals on Thursday. So pick a side, and I think work should just not be a thing for like two weeks. Like we, like it should be like a European country. Like we should just have off for two weeks. Like that is that's what we should have. And I, I bet England's doing that with their soccer team. England has a big game against Ukraine on Saturday. So I just man, it it's so easy to just be pessimistic. It's so easy to just expect the heartbreak. I will say this. I don't know. It'll be tough to deal if it's down the wire. It'll be down into the wire. I guarantee you it will. We haven't really had a down to the wire game. Like game three maybe was headed that way. Game one, I guess, was that. Game one Game one was probably the best like basketball. And I think that's part of the Simmons frustration uh, is that all these games have been kind of uneven. Game two was a fucking blowout. Game three was a blow up for the Hawks, and, and then the Bucks came back. I, I thought game three was awesome, but I'm also a Bucks fan, so what are you going to do? And game four was just so weird because it was the Giannis game. Like, it was the Giannis injury game that will be forever burned in my memory. And game five was just this awesome, scrappy group of guys who don't fucking quit. And I, I, know, I know we're all worried that the, the shoe is going to drop. But just remember, this team is fucking mentally tough. I know sometimes they make dumb decisions and that might not look like mental toughness. But they went into Brooklyn, down 3-2 at one point, remember. Kevin Durant had a shot that probably ends a lot of people. They came back, blew the doors off Brooklyn the next night. Said, all right, whatever, it's over. Short memory. Game seven absolute slog of a game Durant's going crazy Giannis is doing his best to keep up and Durant hits a shot that forces overtime after a bizarre Brooke Lopez play and that should have been the moment when the heartbreak started and I've said this a few times and I'm, I'm gonna say it again there's just something special going on you can feel it I can feel it I think Sports, there, it's it's so hard to explain, but you you just it's different, man. Like this is a different vibe. I didn't feel this way with the Packers last year. I thought the Packers were really fucking good, but I didn't feel like this was it was a special team that just they they were catching everything they were supposed to. Everything was kind of breaking their way. 2010 was special. And it started with the Rodgers game against Atlanta, where he, coincidentally enough, where he goes just off against an Atlanta team that was 13-3. and 
and he has one of the best football games I have ever watched in my life. I don't know if I will see a better game than that. It was an absolute gem of a game. And then you're playing Chicago, and you get B.J. Raji taking an interception back for a touchdown for the win. And then you go to the Super Bowl, and the Super Bowl really wasn't close. And you, they were that team. I mean, there there have been years where this this hasn't actually happened, though, right? Like, the Brewers in 2018, I, I felt a little bit of that, but it was always a David versus Goliath with the Dodgers. Now, with this Brewers team now, if they continue the way they are, it could be a really special October as well because this Brewers pitching staff is good enough to play with anyone in baseball. And now that their offense is kind of rolling, another huge run production day for the Brewers. They had seven runs in this one. It was close. And then they, they added, what, three insurance runs at the end. And this is my guy KFC says I'm from Barstool. Like, insurance runs are better than sacks. So I just, it, it feels different, man. And, and if you don't think that way, either you're not a Bucks fan or you're lying to yourself or you don't want to tell yourself it's, it's different. Because it has all sort of come together. And, and I'm sure Suns fans feel the same way. Because there's been a trend this year of the old guy, right? Brady. Who else? Mickelson. Uh, Helio Castroneves uh, with the 8500. Jason Gay wrote about it. I know Brian Curtis mentioned it on Simmons Pods. Like, Guys, you stole that. No, I didn't. Because I thought I always look at that shit. Like, I always look at trends. Like, there are years where it seems like every blue blood fucking wins. It's like... Alabama, Duke, LeBron, uh, Brady, like all, it's like all blue bullets. Or it's a year where it's, uh, I, like, I'm, I'm trying to think of other examples of this, but there are trends like that too. So yeah, I know that if Milwaukee wins on Saturday, we are going to go to no one's going to cheer for us. No one will be on our side. As some people on Twitter have said, it's Milwaukee versus the world. And it is. And I can't wait to fucking beak Stephen A on Saturday's game review. And if we're going to game seven, we'll go to game seven. But I believe in the Broadhouse. I believe in this Bucks team. And I think they can get it done. All right. That does it for our show. Um, I don't think we'll be back on 4th of July. Maybe. I don't know what my day looks like. Maybe. We'll see. Um and if not, definitely have something for you. I don't know when, but I'll I'll try to do something. Uh, it sucks that the playoffs are over this time period. It's not fun. I feel bad for those who are like actually writing and have to podcast or had like this part of their job, like a Kevin O'Connor or a Big Waz. Like that sucks, man. Uh, but it is what it is. It's the the sports never sleeps. Hopefully, the Brewers have a good weekend. I know I said I was going to mention them in the open. I kind of did. I'm just glad Corbin Burns isn't hurt. Like he says, it's a knee injury, not gonna bother him too much. He, I when he got pulled off, I thought, well, I was like, fuck, this is an ankle injury. Like I or not ankle injury, I thought, fuck, it's an arm injury. I didn't know. I wasn't watching the game, obviously. So good for that. Hopefully they can keep their their winning streak rolling. It is at eight now. Um, see if they can keep it rolling throughout the weekend and keep it up. All right, take care of yourself. Go Bucks again. Brat House, Saturday. If you want to come through, I'll be there. Uh, We're always welcome guests. All right, take care. Have a good one. Bye.